the grain. Looking at big ideas through the lens of small communities. A podcast where arts, culture, and the human experience intersect. Tackling serious topics through fun perspectives. Seeking the grain of truth. Hello, 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 Grain family. We are back. Hey, Jody. Hi, Darian. How are you? I am good. A few things have transpired since we last met. Um, I got the COVIDs. No. Yes, no. it got me, Jody. It's finally my turn. And because I got it, Michaela got it. And because... Um, we had it. We didn't want Michaela, I mean, the bird to be around us. So we sent the bird to her mom's. So it was a week plus of the two of us wallowing in our COVIDs. Well, how did you tolerate it? Are you doing okay? Yeah, we're good. We're good. It was, um, for me personally, it was, uh, you know, all the flu-like symptoms. It was kind of super intense for about two days. Uh, really, really, for me, I think the worst part was, um, the body aches yeah, and the shakes and the shivers. And other than that, you know, the coughing and stuff. Still got a little bit of cough that I don't know. Have you, did you, did it still give you coughs a little bit even after it was gone? For weeks. Mm. Weeks. That's, that's what everybody Several. tells me. It's like, like just get used month. to that. That's what everybody says. Just get used to it. It's going to be there for a minute. And um, I actually had to cancel a gig because of it. So that was not good because, you know, you know, artists, you're only as good as the last gig you met, or at least your bank account thinks you're only as good as your last gig. So, you know, there was that, but didn't want to spread it and stuff. And Michaela, uh, I think it hit her with the coughing fits a bit harder than me. But, you know, it wasn't fun. You know, like people go, well, you just, you know, because I even thought that's like, well, you know, everybody's going to get it sooner or later, blah, 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 you can get it. But when you get it, you don't want it. It's not fun. It is not fun. And I'm vaxxed like crazy. I I just taken my fourth, my second booster, like maybe a few days, and almost a week before I think I got it. I think I got it. Um, we had a really good friend and a really important um, and powerful arts person in Columbia who passed away. And Literally, people from all over the world came back to pay him tribute, and I emceed the program. And it's probably that's probably a good candidate for where I got it from. For yeah. where I got it from. But you know, well, glad you're doing okay, and Michaela's okay, and hopefully, no more gigs are getting canceled. Hopefully and- not. No, I had one Saturday actually. I went to Saturday, and we had a great time. What a great time! Everything went okay. Blah blah blah. It was all good. But I do, like I said, I still, you know, for a person who uses their voice. That little kind of tickly coffee thing is like, okay, that's new. That's different, but it's all good. You know, there are people who had it far worse. You know, what was a major inconvenience, I can't even say major, what was an inconvenience for me has been, you know, life-changing for some people. So so there's that. So let me ask you a question and and Uh we'll transition into today's topic too with Mm -hmm. this question. When you had COVID, and some of the newer variants don't have the same symptoms as the early variants did. Right. So, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of folks aren't losing their sense of smell or anything, and they can Mm -hmm. taste stuff. Mm -hmm. But my some of my favorite foods tasted weird. And even for a little while after, so, like, coffee was a big one. It did not taste right at all. My coffee did not taste good, and that was a big problem for me. I live for my coffee. Uh, you're one of so, those people. Uh, I, did you experience that? Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I was looking for, of course, because that's one of the, you know, the the famous earmarks of the disease. You know, you lose your uh, sense of smell and sense of taste. I did not lose mine, but I do think mine was affected. I got some chicken noodle soup because that's what everybody gets when they're sick, right? Now you want to get better, you get some chicken noodle soup. Get out of here. Was it Campbell's chicken noodle soup? Of course. Okay. Of course. It has to be Campbell's because I've been programmed like the rest of us, you know? So I got some Campbell's chicken noodle soup and it tasted so weird and so bad. I didn't eat any. I ate 
I ate that one can because I'm also programmed not to waste food. Yeah. But I ate that one can and like did not revisit. If it tasted, um, for me, it was kind of metallic, kind of tinny. Mm-hmm. Was that for you too? Was that similar taste for so you? I didn't try the Campbell soup, although we had circle back to that and talk about sick days uh, in a little bit when you were growing up as a kid. I uh, Today's episode folks, is going to be about food. But... About food, glorious food. Yeah. It's so good only on the grain. Yeah. So but for Jody. me, my coffee tasted like it had mold in it. Ooh. Now, I don't know what mold tastes like, really. But it tastes like what you would think <laughs> that mold would taste like if you were in your coffee. But I thought my coffee was moldy and I couldn't drink it. And Sprite was some is something that I drink, you know, if like I'm sick, I might drink. I don't drink a lot of soda, mm. but it tasted sour mm. and more mm-hmm. uh, acidic and like lemony than, you know, it would normally. So I couldn't drink that either. It tasted so weird. The coffee tasted bad. I, I won't lie. The coffee tasted bad. And I didn't have coffee for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so straight. And like, you know, you kind of have a specific flavor in your mind about yeah. what something is like. And especially as you say, when you're sick, you associate certain foods with being like, you know, what you eat when you're not feeling good. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was like twisting the knife. Not only are you sick, but you can't even enjoy your favorite things. Yeah, a betrayal, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I felt you, I was like, because all of a sudden... I started thinking about my taste buds. You know, who walks around thinking about their taste buds? You know, we're just, you just eat something that tastes good or it tastes bad or whatever. But I really started thinking about taste, my taste buds and I was wondering, I was like, wait a minute. At first I thought, okay, is, is this soup tainted maybe? You know, like, okay, like you said, I'm looking at the can. Is, is there some kind of fungal invasion of the can or something? You know, it's a can now. (laughs) Right, right, right. It's a can dented. It's a can damaged. You know, what's going on? What's going on? And and then I'm like, no, the can's all right. And I'm like, "Uh, are my taste buds? Is this what it's going to be? Because then you start thinking about people talking about long COVID and people saying, well, you know, food hasn't tasted right to me for seven months. And they're like, oh, no. No. Because it's a big part of, I mean, like, I think it's one of those things we take for granted, but like, it's a big part of our lives and our culture and our sense of identity, you know, the things, the foods you eat and the things you gravitate to, you know, and so the idea that you won't be able to have them for so long is stressful, crazy. You know, when we, when we said that we want to do an episode on food and we said this initially, you know. I think we kind of landed here because we're kind of like every, you know, oh, what's a good topic? And we oh, food, that'd be cool. You know, I hadn't really thought it through to your point. It affects everything, cultural, health-wise, politics, economics, self-perception, you know, how much food you eat or don't eat, how much food you have or don't have you know, political power, you know, there's so many different things, nostalgia, there's so many different things, entertainment, you know, I don't know if we've ever been in a a point in life, well, think about just how many food shows there are, literally just network of television, right, right, television shows about food, how to prepare it, how to eat it, what it tastes like, I know, like, when Michaela's mom in her latter phases, when she was near her end, um, there was a lot of things she couldn't do. By pure health recommendations, the doctors, you know, she can't, she shouldn't do this and she shouldn't do that. And she couldn't do this, she couldn't do that. And um, one of the big debates in her house was about food. And I realized that's not just her house, it's everybody's house. You know, as we get older, I'm in that phase, you know, I was one of those people when I was young, I could destroy anything. You know, and I was like that for a long time. I remember this woman I dated as well as well into my late 30s, early 40s. And she criticized me because I had the diet of a 16 year old. I remember saying that you have the diet of a 16 year old. I was like, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever. Now, you know, a stroke later, a lot of pounds later, 
just kind of, you know, 10, 20 years older, food is a consideration. And for Michaela's mom, it was the same thing, you know, try to eat healthy, try to eat this, try to eat that. But then me and Michaela were talking about it. I was like, we don't talk about it a lot, but taste is a sense and a sensual experience. And it is something we enjoy. And if most of your friends have gone on and most of your family has gone on and, you know, you can't trust your body on a daily to, I don't know, go for a walk or definitely not go for a run or, you know, you can't even, you know, get to a movie or whatever. You're dependent on other people to do things. And one of the few things left to you, one of the few joys left to you in life is food, good tasting food. You know, whether that's the food of your childhood or whether you're discovering new foods, we don't think of food as a sensual experience. And it is, is and it can be and is. You know, like I would say and with Michaela's mom, and I like, I see this with people all the time. And even with me now, when I, when I just talked about my own health, it becomes more and more important with the, as you have fewer and fewer things to hold on to, you know? Yeah, it's tied to our memories and, and, and a lot in our families. And it's especially hard to, Michaela can probably speak to this, if you are the caregiver of someone who has restricted diet, mm-hmm. one of the ways we care for people, right, is preparing food for them and taking care of them if they are sick. Mm-hmm. But if somebody has a restricted diet, it really limits you. Like I, you know, in our house, one of the kids has a, uh, low sodium diet. Mm, yeah, that's why I try so to adhere hard. to that. Yeah. Yeah. I try <laughs> because, to adhere to that. You know, mm-hmm. you really it changes how you flavor your food and, mm-hmm. and you know, even just preparing quick meals and things. And so many of our favorite things like Campbell's chicken noodle soup. There you go. Very high in sodium. Because one and, of the things that for the first is I also noticed with the weird taste was like, wow, this thing is like really salty. It is, yeah. 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 You know, and the thing with Michaela's mom was she wasn't per se unrestrictive. Well, she kind of was like she could pretty much eat what she wanted, but things were better if she ate certain things, you know. So it wasn't even that hard line. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. It's like, well, this is better for you than this. And, you know, like, I guess it is for all of us. Like everybody, you know, her family was there was some back and forth in the family about her diet. Because, uh, you know, you're trying to keep your mother, your loved one uh, around as long as possible. You're trying to preserve life. But at the same time, you're trying to make that life as pleasant as possible. So food all of a sudden was important, had moved kind of center. And what it made me realize was I've seen I'd seen that so many times. I'd seen that so many times, over and over and over. Older people, younger people, food just kind of moves to the center of um, a person's health. And it really brings about this robust debate within the family about how to handle things. But Michaela's family is really exceptional. They, They handle most things exceptionally well. But it was interesting watching them work through it, you know? Yeah. I mean, so many of our, like, especially in a situation like that, I'm sure she had family recipes that, and, you know, at, at gatherings like Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter and birthdays and such, there's certain meals you always prepare. Like they're Mm -hmm. always on the table at those big gatherings. But if you, you know, oftentimes these are not our healthiest foods, right? Mac and Mm -hmm. cheese and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, potato salad things are high in fat high calorie high starch high salts mm-hmm. high flavor yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> high flavor and those memories you know like i've i've thought about this in the past like you know for one thing you know joy you can't measure joy but joy definitely keeps you alive and the joy of eating something good and the joy of eating something good with somebody you know like you just said those gatherings, you know, one of the things about those flavors are, those are flavors that we shared, you know, with people we love, they were bonding exercises. And I've often wondered, I'm not a chef. I'm not a, 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 a real foodie. I like, I like good food, just like everybody else, but I'm not a chef. I really don't even like to cook and stuff, but I've often wondered like, 
you know, like we know music and what it does for memory and they're using music as treatment for Alzheimer's um, sufferers. Like what does music paired with food, you know, like what would happen if you had a 90 year old woman who was suffering from Alzheimer's and somebody knew just how to make chicken noodle soup exactly with the same flavoring, the same recipe that her mother had. You know, what happens when she smells that and tastes that, you know, could it be a triggering event like, like, like music does? You know, like- well, Actually, they say our sense of smell is even more closely tied to memory. Mm-hmm. In that way, then, mm-hmm. you know, music or, you know, your other senses, sight, touch, hearing, um, but your sense of smell is is very closely related to memory. I know there's certain times when I'll smell something. I have certain, definitely have triggers. For me, more so it's um, negatives. It's things I'll smell like, oh, you know, like, uh, uh-uh, no, 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 don't do that. No, no, no. What happens if we give the chef and the musicologist, the same amount of opportunity um, to visit with us as we do our doctor or or the storyteller even, you know, memories and nostalgia stuff. You know, just, I don't know, once we started talking about food, it made me think about so many different things, man. You know? I'm curious to know, like, what, a lot of places are famous for food, Mm -hmm. right? Like, they Mm -hmm. have, like, a food a famous food. So where I grew up, we have our own hometown food and that is like unique to the area, but what's Columbia's claim to fame in terms of culinary <laughs> artistry? Columbia, Columbia, there used to be during the eighties, during the Reagan administration, there was, and it lasted for a long time. It just recently closed, I think in the last decade or so, there was a hot dog chain called um, Sandy's. Sandy's hot dogs and Reagan came here and he got a Sandy's hot dog and he fell in love with it. It got propelled. I don't know. At that time, I think they were relatively small, maybe one, maybe two stores. I don't know, but that propelled them. They kind of, they kind of became famous. It kind of took over the city for a while. They had, you know, you couldn't take three steps without tripping over Sandy's hot dogs, you know? Um, so what was unique about the Sandy's hot dog? I don't really know. To be totally honest, I liked Sandy's, but, um, and I'm a hot dog person. I know hot dogs are supposed to be the worst thing ever for you, but I like a good hot dog. I like a, I love, and I love a good sausage dog. I love a good sausage. You know, for me, it's all about the texture. You know, like, does the skin snap? You know, is it mushy or is it tight? You know, I see you laugh. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. It sounds so gross when you describe it that way, but <laughs> you are right. <laughs> like there is a definite quality that mm. way. When you said 80s and hot dog, my mind immediately went to uh, those red hot dogs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they're were, they were totally red and they had that snap like you're talking about uh-huh. like a little bit. Of, I don't want to say they're spicy because they weren't, but like a like a zing, I guess. Yeah, they had a little little bite to them. I can't remember if it was local. Somebody used to um, have a the advertisement was the dog that bites back. Yeah. Do, you, do you know that? Do you remember that? I think so. And if I just remember eating those red hot dogs. Uh, so my grandparents had like a little, little cottage, uh, Mm. that was on a lake in upstate New York. So we used to go there every weekend in the summer, Mm -hmm. um, just to, you know, it was better than hanging out at home. So there, it was definitely no frills there, but Mm -hmm. we used to eat those hot dogs all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just, as as soon as you said eighties and hot dogs, that brought me right back to that. Yeah. I love a good hot dog and on a good bun and Oh, I love it. And I'm not even a onions person, but if it's all done right in the, just the right lacing of onions, oh, mwah, love yeah. a good hot dog. Very Americana kind of summer. Very Americana. Experience. And of course, <laughs> so what, what are the foods? So um, for growing up where I'm from, Binghamton, New York, mm-hmm. our food is the Speedy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's spelled S-P-I-E-D-I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I.E. at the end. Um, and it's it's really just 
marinated meat. Uh, so cubes mm. of pork or chicken. Some people use venison and it's marinated in like a vinegar oil with herbs and stuff. So this these came from Italian immigrants who came to Binghamton and they had the workers, you know, in the factory, they had a big shoe factory there. So they basically set up outside and, and put these cube marinated meat on a skewer and cooked it. And it was like a fast, quick meal for folks to eat on a mm -hmm. break. And it just became the food. So, um, there's a speedy festival every year. It's mm -hmm. three days and it's an enormous, enormous festival in Binghamton, New York. Really? <laughs> like thousands of people go over three days. It's always the first weekend in August. Uh, and they have a big balloon, a hot air balloon rally. So it's amazing because like every night over the festival there, the sky is filled with like dozens and dozens of these hot air balloons. Really? Oh, wow. That, yeah. That's doing it big in Binghamton. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but that's our, that's our food. And people actually like, I live down in South Carolina Mm -hmm. So many folks moved from there down here. You actually can buy speedy sauce here. You buy it oh, at Kroger. Wow. Um, Harris mm -hmm. Teeter sometimes has it. Mm -hmm. Salamita State Fair speedy sauce. Mm -hmm. um, there's also another company called Lupo's Char Pit. Some people like Lupo's, people like Salamita's. You know how it is. The yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh -huh. But yeah, you marinate it for like a day or so, 24 hours, and then you cook it over a grill. Mm -hmm. And then you take it off the skewer on a piece of Italian bread. Mm -hmm. Some people put mayonnaise on it. Some people don't. It's kind of controversial. Yeah, yeah. There's always that. Uh... Mayonnaise can be very controversial. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah, that's the speedy. That's our, that's our thing. Wow. Um, well, here in the South... You know, one of the things the South is known for is its cuisine, you know, negative and positive. So, of course, there's barbecue. You know, being from South Carolina, it's all about mustard, mustard base, which I love mustard base. But, you know, different places is about rubs. And, you know, you can tell people's geographic loyalties by what type of barbecue they like. You know, is it vinegar? Is it mustard? Is it ketchup is it rub is it you know whatever so there's always barbecue and of course it's always um fried chicken fried chicken and watermelon which i really want to get to because those are interesting discussion you know there's so much tied to that and there's all i mean you name it there's a food festival for it here there's an okra festival there's a peach festival there's a chitlin um, you ever heard of the chitlin strut? No. You, you know what chitlins are, right? I do. So I am a good old Southern boy, South Columbia, South Carolina boy who grew up a little atypical in my, um, in my food taste. Like there's a lot of what are considered uh, Southern litmus test cuisines that I don't get down with. And <laughs> okay. one of them is chitlins. I can't Dan chitlins. I hate chitlins. I remember um, my girlfriend in high school, if, when I would go to her house, if her mom's was cooking chitlins, I wouldn't go in the house. And they always used to mess. She's like, she's getting mad at me. Oh, she's oh, stop being so silly. I was like, nope, I am not going in. So chitlins is one of my things, but there's a big thing here. And where is it? Is it Sally? I think it's Sally, South Carolina, the chitlin strut. And there's a parade like you guys do. It's not a three day festival. I think it's like a two day festival. I think it's a night and a day. But there's chitlins prepared. Any, you know, fry. I, I don't know how you prepare chitlins, but, you know, and there's a parade. And I think there might even be a chitlin queen. I don't know. I don't go. Chitlin queen. Oh, yeah. wow. So I've never uh, had like a freshly prepared chitlin. I've had, I've had them from the bag. You know, like wait, 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 wait. you're talking about something. You've had what chitlins? Oh, I'm thinking bag? of pork rinds. I'm thinking of pork. You're rinds. thinking of pork rinds. Isn't I love the pork same rinds. thing. No, somebody's gonna take away my southern card. That's right. You're about to lose <laughs> your card, man. 
Ooh, you're lucky this is not a college show. People would be blowing us up right now. I don't like boiled peanuts either. Oh. I love boiled peanuts. Yeah, most of my friends from North, I, I can tell you this. Most of my friends from North, they go, uh, uh, just this, the thought is gross. Uh, it sounds so slimy. And then they'll try one like, hey, yo, that's kind of good. Like they're, fri- and they're fried pork fat, right? Well, 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 I was talking about peanuts. But yeah, pork rinds, that's skin and fat. And I love pork rinds. I love pork rind. Chitlins, that's the pig's intestines, literally. Oh, okay. The pig's intestines. And actually, there's a lot of history uh, attached to it. The idea is like in a Black community, one of the things that happened was um, enslaved people weren't fed well. So um, they actually were food geniuses. A lot of what is now um, Southern cuisine are things that slaves figured out how to make palatable not only palatable, but like say staple cuisine. So those were the, all the parts that used to get thrown away, pig feet, pig ears, um, chitlins, uh, pig snouts, even um, yeah, chicken feet, all this stuff. Um, it's like people were figuring out how to oxtail. Oh, I love oxtails. A really good oxtail. Oh my God. It is so good. But those were things that, that they were basically considered trash. And now, like I said, they're, um, that's one of the reasons they're so closely tied to the Southeast. You know, you can go almost anywhere in the country. You go from here to New York and you can tell how Southern people are about what they, you know, people in LA still eating oxtails and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. So chitlins, um, part of the process of preparing them is you have to boil them to clean them. And like I said, So it's the pig's it's, it's the pig's excretory system, the intestinal tract. So that boiling press process, that cleaning process, as you can imagine, smells bad. It smells pretty bad. And Don't they usually do that outside, though. Well, like, it kind of all depends. I mean, you know, I'm sure that's what they did. Before. I mean, originally, it, folks were cooking in outdoor kitchens anyway. But yeah, precisely. But you know, 1980, whatever, 19 or 2000, whatever. People, you don't, it's not a lot of outdoor pits or whatever. You're cleaning them at your home. And I'm sure people have processes and stuff, but people are still, you know, bringing them home and cleaning them. And some people, I think even, like I've heard people say, like, I just don't eat anybody's chitlins, you know? So it's a trust thing. Gotcha. You know, you know, you know how thoroughly it's cleaned because you cleaned it, right? But it's a legacy food. It's a legacy food, you know? But it's one I didn't, I tell you another one. Um, Grits. Yeah. Everybody loves grits. I can't stand grits. I hate grits with a white hot passion. It is a dividing line for me and my friends. I used to now everybody just kind of knows it about me, but I used to be the butt of so many jokes because you know, if you wanted to clown me, like offer me some grits. I don't do grits. So grits have grown on me. It's definitely not something that I'll choose usually. Like, so if it's grits or potatoes, I'll I'll pick potatoes for mm-hmm. sure. But I'll eat shrimp and grits and like, um, you know, but there's a lot on there, right? There's gravy, right. you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. there's definitely butter. Right. I've mm-hmm. heard of people like it's controversial, sugar or no sugar. Some people put yeah, sugar yeah, on their grits. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Fried grits. Have you ever had fi- fried grits? Fried grits? No. Right. It's a big um, carnival festival food, I think. You know how in the last 20 or so years, um, the big thing at these fairs is to fry everything. Fried stickers, fried, yeah. you know, whatever. And Talk about food thing- that's not good for you. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things is uh, fried grits. I've never had it, but I know it's there. Um, when you're in the South, you, you can't, there's no avoiding you know, I don't partake, but there's no avoiding. Well, I'll go places and I have to make sure I express to people if there's something I want and it's usually served with grits, no grits. And a lot of times I say, no grits, please. And people still bring it to me with grits because they just assume. So sometimes I'll just go, oh, bring me the grits on the side, you know, yeah. so I don't have to mess with it, but I can't Dang grits. Ugh. What is it? Is it the texture that you don't like? I don't like the I don't like the taste, the texture. But one of the main things is 
My mom's raised five of us on her own, mostly on her own, right? So grits are cheap. Yeah. Grits are cheap. You know, thank you, Grits, for sustaining me. But I'll never forget when I was little one time I told my moms, I said, when I get big enough, I ain't never eating grits no more. And I've been big for a while now. I do not get down with grits, man. I, Michaela, when I told her one of the things, I said, one, you could tell I love you because you cook grits in our shared kitchen and I say nothing about it. I don't eat it. I don't touch it. I don't like if it touches, if a grain touches food of mine. I, mm-mm, no, mm-mm, no, no, no. I don't, I don't really feel that way about too many foods, to be honest with you, where mm-hmm. I'm just like, nope, never happening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where I don't even want it prepared in my house, right? <laughs> um, definitely, though, that food for me was spaghetti. Really? My, my mom made it all the time. Uh, um, so, you know, I touched on it. We had a lot of Italian influence where I lived in upstate mm-hmm. New York. And that's one thing I cannot get here is good Italian food. I, yeah, I bet, man. I bet. Every time people are like, oh, no, this place is that you have to go there. And then I go there and I'm like, mm, this ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, and look, the Italian food we cooked at my house was not real Italian either. Right. Mm-hmm. My mom worked. And so, you know, she wouldn't come home from work until 6, 6.30 at night. And we had to be in bed by 8. And so Mm -hmm. it's like getting everybody washed up and dinner on the table. That's like, that's a thing. Yeah. So Uh spaghetti was quick. Yeah. You know, it takes 10 minutes. noodles. Yeah. Sauce. Oh, two, maybe sometimes three nights a week. And I'm like, I cannot. Ugh. No more. No more. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you give me like real, you know, two days to make the sauce and it's fresh pasta noodles made by somebody's Italian grandma, I I will eat that. I uh-huh. Definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, the box stuff is just hard pass. Have you ever had a really bad experience with a food? Is there a food that you associate a food or drink Let's get drinking here too. A food or drink other than alcohol, because alcohol is kind of its own thing. But uh, a food or drink that you've had a really bad experience with? I mean, yes. I have since gotten over it though. But Mm -hmm. I, when I was in high school, we used to go to the movies all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of my good friends was really interested in film and ended up going to like film school. So we would go to the movies all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, often we would go to like the discount movie theater or like the off time shows. So it was like a dollar to get in and you could see whatever. Yeah. 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 We said that uh, we just call it the dollar movies. There are no now. I think a dollar movie is like $3, which still isn't bad. Right. Right. It was second run films or. Old movies, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So one time we went and I got popcorn and I got extra butter on the popcorn. Oh, Um, don't say this. Ah, I know. And it's just like, it's so, you know, so good. Like for a lot of people, we talk about the smell, like Mm -hmm. the smell of fresh popcorn, Uh extra butter Mm -hmm. is like Mm -hmm. instantly movie and warm, cozy feelings of, you know, being with friends and doing something really fun. Yeah, it made me very sick for whatever reason I, or I was just sick anyway and I didn't feel ill until later on that evening but I associated it with the popcorn and I could not eat popcorn for ages even now the extra butter popcorn I'm like mm. <laughs> I Jody, popcorn now but. I have almost the exact same story and really? I, I've just like in the last because me, Michaela, and the bird, whenever we would go to the movies, they'd always want butter. And I'm like, nope, nope. And I've just like in the last two to three years started getting butter again. And this, my thing, I remember the movie. I went to see, do you remember a movie, Any Given Sunday? It was a football movie. So I know the title, but I can't place the film. It was a football movie and uh, Al Pacino was in it. Jimmy Fox was in it. (laughs) And um, 
they had a bunch of ex-ballers in there and a, okay. there's a football movie. So of course I went to see, you know, any given, any given Sunday with Al Pacino, that don't, what's this going to be about? And I'm like you, I used to love to get the popcorn with the extra butter. But for some reason, this particular night, this particular day, um, that butter, which is not real butter, is something else. Like an oil. It's yeah. gross. If you've ever seen somebody or know somebody who worked at a movie theater, it's not butter, friends. Yeah, yeah. And it was extra pungent, you know? And as it, exact, it was pungent. It just went. But I sat there and I went through the movie and ate it. I had a great time. And all of a sudden I start. I, you know, I have a couple of tales when I'm about to get projectile, you know, no. <laughs> you know, I got a couple of tales in my tales. So I was like, oh, what's going on? That's good. So I'm walking out the movie and I'm kind of walking and I'm kind of almost stumbling. And then I made a beeline to um, the nearest trash can and just emptied my guts right there. And it was right there in front of the other door, the opposing door, exiting the same um, theater. And I remember this one woman, she just stopped, this white woman, she just stopped and looked at me like, what is going? Because I could get kind of violent. You know, I, I'm not a, it, it's a big deal. I'm Godzilla. When it's time to get out of my body, it's God, I'm Godzilla. And um, I just remember that moment, but I think that was like the early 90s, maybe mid 90s. I can't remember. It's sometime in the 90s, but I did not. I would have been eat. around the same time, like the mid nineties. I think probably at this place, the popcorn was old. Uh -huh. Like it wasn't mm. made that day. It was probably old and the nasty, like butter flavored oh. oil they dump on top of it was too much. Man, when I would go to like, even just the smell at the movie theater would yep. just give me a little twinge, you know? Like, but I ate some. Cause the bird was always picking at me. Cause she, they'd always want to get, you know, like giant tub, that giant family trough, you know, and I wouldn't didn't like the butter. So they could, we couldn't get the butter. So she's always kind of rolling her eyes like, okay, old man. But, um, fairly recently I, I did it. And I was like, Oh, this is good. I liked it. I liked it. So, but yeah, yeah I'll get the popcorn now, but I, I still pass on the extra butter. Mm. <laughs> I still pass. Um, that's, I don't know. I mean, like I'm trying to think just general in general, I always associate good things with food, Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. there's foods on vacation that I like to get, you know, like that. I'll what's, what's the food that said for you, this is summer. Now it's summer. It's for summer. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's so many. Like we no definitely no slushies, no particular ice cream. Definitely not a particular ice cream. I would say most likely watermelon. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's mm -hmm. when we don't we don't ever eat like strawberries. You get year round or whatever. Like it's mm -hmm. definitely more of a summer food, but. But watermelon is probably a big one. Yeah, I hot dogs because we do everybody. not eat hot dogs, especially because now you know our diet situation here, we mm -hmm. can't have them. But on the Fourth of July, I do let my kids eat hot dogs, and we make like all the different hot dogs from the different cities. So <laughs> Chicago style, uh -huh. we'll do, like New York style, and that kind of mm. thing. So hot dogs are one. Yeah. What about you? I, I, I kind of want to talk about the traditionals. You know, there's ton, peaches. I love peaches. I love peaches. In South Carolina, you know, drive down a highway going somewhere and see some old cat, some old black cat on the side of the road with a, a truck with the tail down, the tailgate down, selling baskets of peaches. Yeah. Oh, and those are the best peaches in the world, man. They taste like candy to me, you know. You bite into the extra juice and the juice runs down your arm. Oh, that's why a lot of times I get a peach out of the store. I just get kind of disappointed, you know, because yeah. it's like, eh. You know, I'm just, it's just cruising off nostalgia. But I wanted to talk about, in particular, I want to talk about, you mentioned one, watermelon and fried chicken, which is so strange to me because... But also so beautiful and so delicious. Like fried chicken is one of my favorite things in the world. I love fried chicken and I love watermelon. Like an iced 
cold piece of really sweet, really juicy watermelon. It was one of the most refreshing experiences in the world. But you can imagine being a Black person, this is supposed to be problematic for me. And you notice I say supposed to be because I've never fully embraced that. You know, just the idea of, like now we have a phrase we didn't have when I was a child, um, the white gaze. You know, and that's all about um, the expectations of Black people when seen through the lens that is white people. But it's not just white people's expectations of Black people. It's also Black people's expectations of themselves. Like, I have friends that will not eat fried chicken or watermelon in front of white people. They just will not. They will not. And to me, it seems like there's nothing more racist than something, than denying the obvious, how powerful is racism when it makes you deny the obvious? Everybody likes, likes fried chicken. Everybody likes watermelon. And because of uh, the racist history, uh, the different racial histories of this food and our, our land and stuff, I'm supposed to pretend that I don't like fried chicken. I don't like watermelon and I kind of get it, but I kind of don't. It feels to me like, you know, hyperbole or aggrandizement would be, it feels re almost rebellious to me, which is kind of crazy to me. It feels almost rebellious to me for to let people know that I love fried chicken and watermelon and I don't care what you think about it. It's almost fried... like reclaiming yes. something. Yeah. But, which is crazy. It's like you're hard pressed to find people who don't like fried chicken and watermelon. Well, you know? I gotta tell you, I, so, you know, because I didn't grow up in the mm -hmm. South, I was old. Mm -hmm. I mean, not old, but like in probably in my teens or early twenties before I had any idea that there was any kind of racial connotation mm -hmm. or slight you know, surrounding black people and fried chicken and watermelon. And it probably, I don't even remember, but it probably came from somebody telling a racist joke, uh -huh. Uh -huh. you know, thinking they were in good company. Right. And me being like, like, I don't, a gazillion fried chicken I don't and get it. Joke. Like, what yeah. do you mean? What's, uh -huh. I don't get the joke. And mm -hmm. then having to explain mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. I even knew. Mm -hmm. You know, that there was a connotation with, uh, you know, a race based past. So, yeah, you know, and people go, you know, all black people like fried chicken and watermelon. It's like all white people it's like, like who doesn't like right? <laughs> who doesn't like like Asians, natives. Like, I don't like if you like most people who like good food, like fried chicken and watermelon. So I and as a kid, it used to really confuse me. You know, it's like, I mean, literally, it, it would confuse me. Like, as an adult, you get older, you kind of sort things out and blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, okay, this and that. And this is tied to this and this is tied to that. You know, of course, as a child, you see the images, but I'm not processing them. You know, like, like one of the things for me, and I still do this a little bit, um, something could be so blatant and so racist, but built on the mythology of a race of a stereotype of just just a lie that i literally don't get it that you know because i don't know anybody like that you know like the images they had of black people the piccaninny in images of black people like you know eating the watermelon rinds and that typewriter style and uh, you know it, it took a long time for me to figure out oh is that supposed to be me literally because it's like i don't know anybody like so like i was like you when you threw the joke at me the joke went by me. I don't want to say it went over my head. It went under my feet. You know, it's like that. I don't, that's funny. What's funny? And I, don't and I think understand. that there's honestly, in a way, like a special cruelty about that. Like, mm -hmm. first of all, people not being in on the joke, but mm -hmm. also just the fact that it is, you know, it's a way of taking things that are just uniquely enjoyed by everyone exactly. i mean everybody enjoys those things but mm -hmm. now it becomes you know you're a caricature exactly and a joke if you enjoy them and it's just it's like taking something from someone without even just through cruelty uh yeah it's um, and see for me i refuse 
I refuse to let you dictate to me what I can like, what I can't like, what circumstances and situations I can like it in. You know, like I said, it's watermelon and fried. That's a basic. We talked, we started off this talk talking about the sensual experience that is food. You know, we've talked about nostalgia and all that. You know, and like I said, I'm from the South. I'm from the deep, deep South. There's so many memories attached to the smell of fried chicken in my mom's house or, you know, us gathering, you know, one of the quickie, one of the celebratory foods of the summer was a bucket of chicken, you know, going somewhere, going to a park or something and buying, you know, a bucket of chicken. Or even we talked about um, Michaela's mom. And one of the things that happens when we lose people is, you know, people bring food by the house. And it's one of the things that could not happen for Michaela's family because of COVID, people didn't bring by those buckets and buckets of fried chicken, you know, and commiserate or, or, or uh, convey their condolences over it. You know, that food was that vehicle that that kind of on, on, on ramp for us to express our condolences and things that, that couldn't happen, you know. So fried chicken is like just tied up. And, and plus, it's just freaking delicious. Like you get a really, really good piece of fried chicken. It is like one of the best thing. I think for my um, last meal, if I were in a situation where I had to have a last meal, I think fried chicken and watermelon would be on the menu because they're both delicious. And to have somebody tell me you can't enjoy that because if you do, it means you are less than or if. It means something in my, it means something to me. I will think less of you. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. real kind of easy that way. It's like, you can think whatever you want. I don't care. Like, I, I know who I am and I know well, what I am. And that too, you know, that juxtaposed with the idea of like, these are the foods you can enjoy. Here are mm -hmm, the scraps. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Even that going back to chitlins, back yeah. to chitlins, you know, like, like you said, precisely this is the food we throw away yeah this is the food and now you see now uh you see southern cuisine you see all these we talked about the cooking channels and uh, the and now i see all these people publishing books you know with um uh southern recipes and i'm like uh, oh they're talking about chitlins you know like literally and it's like now i see now there is some revision going on like I can't remember their name, but they're two brothers. I think they're out of Charleston. And you I won think, a James Beard Award. Okay, yes. And they um they've now gone back and accredited, properly accredited some of their recipes to um like the black women who raised them and, and stuff like that. So you see stuff well, like that. You're talking about the Lee brothers, I think maybe. I can't remember their name. Are they white guys? Two white guys. Two white yeah, guys. Yeah, I think you're talking about the Lee brothers. No, I was just thinking about um, two folks just just this year were nominated. Butcher and Butcher and Bee is the restaurant um, in Charleston. I had to look it up, but they were mm. nominated for a James Beard Award, which is like, if you know, that's like the culinary pinnacle. It's like um, the Oscars for for food. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Charleston's own Butcher and Bee is one of five nominees for Outstanding Restaurants. And uh, basically, you know, they it's like Black Food Fridays was what he started doing. And and so he's like a James Beard nominee now. Uh, so yeah. So from these Coming humble high beginnings. End. Yeah. From these humble beginnings. And it's cool because people being the creativity. Um, and the perseverance of people is being rewarded. But, you know, for a long time, those same foods, you like to say people were frowned upon. Those were garbage foods, you know, and supposedly garbage food for garbage people. You know, that's the association they're trying to make. Uh, where I'm like, no, it's either you like it or you don't. But yeah, there's so much, man. Like. You know, to me, that's one of the interesting things. That's one of the interesting things about food, you know, a rice um, being from South Carolina 
anywhere I would, anytime I would travel somewhere else and spending any length of time somewhere, people would go, oh, South Carolina, you Geechee, right? You like that rice, right? You know, because the, the, um, the popular myth is that we eat rice with every meal in South Carolina. And you're Geechee. You know, that's that's what they call it. And then, you know, we don't eat rice with every meal. We eat rice with every other meal in South Carolina. You know, so get it right, world. Get it right. Yeah, because because the other half are with grits. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, just um, just watching, you know, especially I'm sensitive to the South, but I remember going to New York for the first time and thinking, like, what a great food town that was, because literally on every corner. I was eating Italian or Ethiopian or Asian or something, and it was all freaking delicious. You know, like you said, like your people having a festival. I, I think that is so cool that you guys launch hot air balloons around. I do street. not know the history of how the balloon rally got married to the Speedy Festival, but uh-huh. that's how it was my whole life. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and they, they still do it now they still do it yep. now oh yeah 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 it's big bon jovi played the speedy festival once. really <laughs> yeah that is so cool man and people that got really mad because so cool. his set was like super late and i don't know it was a whole thing it was past my time it was after i had moved but yeah i mean it's like uh-huh. a big thing up there uh and it's really neat just you know i mean like to be a kid it's like that golden hour light, like 7 p.m. and just walk outside. And it's uh-huh. in New York in August, you know, it's hot, but it's not like 100 degrees hot usually. So it's like right. probably 80 in the evening. It'll be less uh-huh. at 75 degrees. You just look up and the sun is starting to set and like the sky is full of hot air balloons. It's just so cool. I can I can so see that image. Yeah. So and it's beautiful there because we have hills and valleys, you know, um, as well. Where I live now, it's there. The biggest hill is on a golf course. Like everything is super flat. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a totally different landscape. But yeah, I mean, I think we tie so many of our memories to food and just emotions, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And if if you need to connect with somebody, that's that's one of the best ways to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. If I'm working with an agency and we need to pull together all these different partners from all these different places, and yeah, you know, it could be the school district and the school of health and uh, I don't know tax collector, whatever. Um, a lot of times, what people do is um, well, we'll have a working lunch, which means we got to bring in food. You know, we have food for people there already, so they don't have to worry about going to get food. And I've worked with some agencies. Some agencies get in, some agencies don't. If you're going to have a working lunch, whatever food you have, that's part of your credibility, you know? So if I invite you to a working lunch, if I have some skimpy, unsatisfying, you know, whatever it is, and you come and you spend... You know, because breaking bread is important. It is a ritual that goes back probably further than we can, you know, document. It probably precedes probably oral speech even. You know, it's grunts and groans. We were sharing food and sharing ideas. You know, the sharing of food, breaking bread, that sharing of food is important. And if you bring in people and you're not sharing good food with them, you've already started off at a deficit. Yeah, it sends a message that it's an afterthought. Right. Yeah. And I've worked with agencies that don't get that. They're like, oh, well, we'll just get whatever's cheap. And I was like, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, your credibility is on the line. Have some good food, man. It may not win the day, but at least it won't lose the day for you. Well, we're coming up on about an hour. So. A golden time. What is your, I mean, like, a final thought about food and nostalgia on the South and all of those things interconnected. Like what's your, other than your pure hatred for grits. Grits. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, there's a lot. And as we talk, there's even more like we didn't talk about, you know, I've returned to 29203 and 29203 is a bit of a food desert. You know, 
access. We didn't talk about that access to food, what it means to have food ready, good food readily available. You know, who gets that? Who doesn't get that? What is good food? You know, one of the things that's happened as I've aged is food now, as like I'm, I'm much older, I'm much heavier, you know? So I have to consider, I don't have to, but sometimes I consider, I try to control my consumption of food just because I want to be less fat. And what that means as far as body image, you know, how many calories I see now, calorie consumption is almost a virtue. We judge people. We've always judged people by, you know, their body makeup, whether they're thin or, or heavy and different ones are better in different situations. I mean, in food, man, it's so many things, or even we talked about entertainment. Like one of my favorite shows was, um, Anthony Bourdain, I loved Anthony Bourdain. I thought he was a great storyteller. I thought he was a great storyteller. And you and I offline have talked about the Netflix series, uh, High on the Hog. That is, I think if there's one takeaway, like for folks, cause we can't, we can't pack it all into one hour in mm-hmm. our show. Uh, we could do an entire, uh, and there are, thousands of entire podcasts just devoted to food and Mm -hmm. probably even Southern food. But I would say that's one thing I would leave with folks is like, if you have not watched it, um, the documentary series from Netflix high on the hog about the roots of, of Southern cuisine, um, just a must see. So, so good. Yeah. Really good. Really good. They just, they delve so much into the history and the culture and just the process of food, even going back across continents, back to Africa to trace those roots. And it's just, it's so informative and, and just really, really well done. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of things I think about food. You know, one of the things about black people in America is history begins with the middle passage. Well, not even the middle passage, actually just slavery. History begins with slavery and high and hog through food. It goes, well, this food came from here, you know, it's being grown. It's like, you know, food you think of like as Southern is like, well, no, it's actually African, you know, and it's, I don't know, you're right. It's really good. It's really Some of the good. foods that we have here and, and, and crops and things we have because people brought seeds with right. them. Brought seeds, you know, amazing. You know, yeah. The rice. You know, we just talked about geechee and all that. Rice is incredibly indigo, which wasn't a food, but still was a plant that was incredibly important to the Southern economy. You know, yeah, yeah, you're right. There's just so much to talk about. And hopefully between Jody's air balloons, hot air balloons, and my hatred of grits, maybe we spark some memories for you guys, some, some good things to think about. Um, and then maybe on a future episode, we'll talk about access and things like that and food deserts and stuff. I just, I can't talk about preparation cause I don't, I'm a terrible cook, but I love to eat. So. I love to eat, but I am not a good cook. Luckily, Michaela is a fantastic cook, but me, not so much. All right, Grain family. Well, we it, we have enjoyed uh, spending this time with you, and I am hungry. <laughs> it's coming up on lunchtime, and I've just spent the last hour talking about food, so I'm going to go find something to eat. A but speedy, will... maybe? Can you get a speedy now? So I can. Yeah, actually, I noticed I was at my mom's house yesterday. They uh-huh. moved down here. They have some marinating in their refrigerator i was there last night so i uh-huh. may i may have a reason to stop by tonight around dinner time uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah i can buy speedy sauce at kroger but it's a process you got to marinate the meat in it you really should do it for at least 12 hours so mm-hmm. it's definitely a plan ahead food mm-hmm. okay. and have them right you really need them on the grill you know so. yeah oh we didn't even talk about grilling and yeah. what that means I mean, that's a whole culture, whole thing in and of itself, you know? I saw online somebody made the joke that that Juneteenth this year is on the same day as Father's Day, and it's like the Olympics of of barbecue. 
(laughs) and grilling because Uh, those two things combining, you know, yeah, yeah, one day, yeah, amazing, yeah, cool, very cool. All right, Grain family, we will catch you next time. All right, guys, be safe. The Grain Podcast is brought to you through a grant from the Knight Foundation in partnership with Indie Grits Labs and the lovely people of 29203. Thanks to our audio engineer, Isabel Alvarado, and our hosts, Darren McLeod and Jody Srutek. And don't forget to subscribe to The Grain for more great episodes.